We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into the CHGO White Sox post-game show presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Welcome into Studio B of the CHGO Studios here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. To my far left is Vinny Duber, the CHGO White Sox beat writer. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. And the man in the middle is Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. Today, we'll be recapping the two games the White Sox and Guardians played today. The White Sox losing both of them. Mm. Yeah. White Sox now at 6-5 and five on the year. They are now tied for first place, well, with the Cleveland Guardians, who are also 6-5. and five. A tough game in the first half of the doubleheader, and just a really, uh, I don't know how we would describe game two. Listless. Listless. That's a very good one. A listless yeah. game two. So let's start off with game one here. The Sox lose 11-1, to one, and they really lose it after the second inning. Nine runs scored by the Guardians. Uh, a couple errors made by Tim Anderson, three errors accounted towards him. Jake Berger gets an error in that inning as well. But the big one, Jose Ramirez hits a grand slam off Dallas Keuchel. Herb, you posted the video on Twitter uh, of your whole theory of what they should do against Jose Ramirez for this series. It included walking him 16 times and not pitching to him. Correct. Yet they pitched to him. It must be pride. They did get him out today, you know, but he hit a grand slam and he had an RBI double in the second game. I mean... We looked at it. It's Ahmed Rosario hitting after him. And Fran Mil Reyes, good players, not Jose Ramirez. Like, I don't know what the game plan is. In the second game, and I know we're talking more about the first game, there was a base open, and they continued to pitch to him. It was an 0-2 pitch. Good job by Jimmy Lambert to get there, but throw a worse pitch there. You know, try to get him swinging. You have the advantage there. You threw him a cookie, and Jose Ramirez did Jose Ramirez things. He doesn't do them just versus the White Sox, but it seems like every time they play, he sees the White Sox uniform. He's like, okay, it's time to hit. Right. Well, you see the the first game, second inning, he hits the grand slam. First inning, Stephen Kwan doubles, and then Ramirez, they go after Ramirez, and Ramirez doubles, scoring the first run for the Guardians, making it one nothing. They go after him with the base open. You would want somebody else to beat you. After this, like after we saw those two games, and we said, oh, man, Stephen Kwan, what a great game. Or, man, Framo Reyes really showed up today. You would say, cool, I don't like losing, but at least we lost to a different guy than Jose Ramirez. Like, at the time, I think it was like 4 nothing for the White Sox or 3 to nothing. Walk him. Walk the bases loaded. I said it on Sunday. 
Walk him. He's the only guy that can really hurt you, and you keep on letting him hurt you. It would have been 4 nothing. I don't like it. I don't like walking the bases loaded, but damn it. How many times you need to see this man prove you wrong every single time you pitch to him? It's just so frustrating. And then when he doesn't get a hit, Josh Harrison gets hurt on that play out there in left field where Andrew Vaughn kind of slid and Josh Harrison to do a double jump and pretty much jammed his shoulder. Yeah, so I asked before the game uh, on Twitter, what would you rather see? The White Sox win the game, the White Sox score 10 runs, the White Sox not have any errors, or the White Sox have no injuries. They didn't have any errors in the second game, which was good after having five, I believe, in the first one. Uh, they are four in the first one. Four in the first one, one in the second. They, okay, so five altogether. Thank you very much. Uh, they did not score five runs in that second game. They only scored one. They did not win the game, as you can see in the bottom left. They lost two to one. And there were injuries in that game. Josh Harrison left the game uh, on the weird play that Herb is describing, a bloop over Harrison. Vaughn's coming in. Harrison's coming out. And... Vaughn basically slide tackles Josh Harrison. Harrison jumps over him and lands awkwardly uh, on his shoulder. We saw it happen, Vinny. Uh, It looked like Harrison might have been okay. It looked like Harrison was all right. He ended up staying in the game and then getting taken out for Jake Berger. Uh, Harrison so far has struggled with the bat, but what would it mean if the White Sox were unable to have him on on the field right now with Moncada being out, Leury struggling? If they lose Josh Harrison for a couple days here, what would that mean? Yeah, I mean, you you brought it up. I mean, I think it's the fact that they're already down, you know, on Moncada, and Harrison has the versatility to play either second base or third base wherever Tony wants to play him on a given day. And if you take him out of there, you're really leaning on guys that you didn't think you'd be leaning on. You're leaning on Jake Berger. You're leaning on Danny Mendick. Obviously, Larry Garcia is in that mix, too, a guy who obviously you did think you'd be leaning on a little bit more if you're the White Sox. But from the standpoint of losing Josh Harrison, yeah, that would be really bad just because – He's one of your starting players, and you don't want it to go down another one, especially uh, while Moncada's out. Now, we don't know the severity of it, and you know, obviously you said he, he stayed in the game right after making that play, so it's possible that it just kind of barked up on him a little bit later on as things went uh, along. He's already had you know, some back stiffness that caused him to leave a game and, the, and that, that knocked him out for a day or two, um, you know, some regular baseball stuff, and, and perhaps that's all this is. But, uh, yeah, it was really – Ugly in all facets today. I mean, I, I was going back and I was looking at um, a quote from Liam Hendricks from the offseason. You know, after we saw what we saw in the first game, I was going back and digging for some stuff related to the defense and how they could improve. And Liam said a lot of things about how, you know, last season the pitching was really good for most part. The hitting was good for the most part. The defense kind of, uh, you know, sunk them a little bit in the playoffs there, an area that they focused on improving this offseason. And then today we see a game like today, even if it's just one day. But you go through that. Today, it was the pitching was not good. The offense was not good. The defense was not good. And then you throw a little health thing in there, too. I mean, it, it was about as bad of a day as you could have had if you were the White Sox. And honestly, I pushed back a little bit on the, the pitching part because Keuchel probably struggled the most out of all the pitchers that the Sox threw out today. Um, but he only gave up five hits that were defined as hard hit, uh, being over 95 miles per hour. But outside of that, you know, the, the, in, the errors hurt him on the field. And that's one thing, too. He is a pitch-to-contact player. And the White Sox last year had the second worst defense last year just behind the Phillies uh so I mean this is a team that has a pitch to contact player up there and their defense has struggled you're right you're right Dallas did his job today in terms of the outcomes of each individual at bat but I mean listen the 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 snowball effect is is real right and I mean if you're going to be the guy who's going to be able to last six seven innings in a ball game which Dallas has proven over the course of his career that he very much is that guy 
you got to be able to stop the bleeding. And, and yeah, he got the he got the ground balls that he wanted to, but um, you know, it, it certainly the pitching was not the biggest problem today for the White Sox. Yeah. Uh, I, I would even argue that it was. The, the offense over the defense, yeah. really, because, you know, you can't win a game in which you only get three hits. You know, I mean, it's it's hard to do at the very least. So, um, yeah, I mean, and really, too, what we saw in game two was some pretty good pitching all around as well. And, you know, the relief of Keuchel, uh, specifically Tanner Banks, was very impressive in game one. But, come on, there's ten runs on the board. In, in by the end of the second inning, uh, the, the pitching has something to do with that, obviously. Yeah, the Sox uh, bullpen in relief of Keuchel, seven innings only allowing one hit, one earned run from Sean Anderson Severino. And Rodney saying, oh, please, Keuchel T-ball pitching. Like, Rodney, you can just give you the facts. Five hard hit from from Keiko. Like it's not great. He didn't have any K's, which you know that's a big thing too. Not a lot of whiffs. Not a lot of uh, whiffs like we saw in the Mariners game. But you can't have a, a situation where his worst pitch right there is having three runners on due to errors. And like he said, the worst pitch that he threw was the one that went over the fence to Jose Ramirez. Well, so. and two, what it what what was one of Dallas's things last year? Career high in home runs a lot. I mean, there, there just way too many home runs for a guy who lives on the ground on the ground and he goes up and the, the biggest hit of the game is a grand slam. You, I mean, you, you, you're allowed to make one mistake in a game. I don't know if you're allowed to make one mistake with three guys on base. Mm-hmm. Right. And JJ points out one thing that I thought, like the tone was set initially with the first play by Tim. Like, I don't know if necessarily they were ready to play because you don't see this from Tim. Like three airs is out of the norm, especially this part of his uh, career. And so maybe these guys were just, I don't know, defeated? I don't know. It just looked defeated. Like, it's a second inning. Like lifeless. <laughs> it's after, a second inning after you have two days have off. Have you ever seen anything like that where no. it's nine hits in a row, a bunch of errors? Like Dallas Keuchel, like you said, wasn't pitching poorly. He was just getting hit. Well, he was pitching like Dallas Keuchel. Like, yes. I mean, like that's that's the thing. It wasn't like he was leaving balls out of the no. plate. It wasn't like you know balls were getting tattooed left and right. And it just felt like... Uh, you know, it's a tough customer already on the other side with Shane Bieber. And I don't know, saying they didn't have it today is, you know, evident. But I don't know if it's, like, on the surface, if they felt that way and they were like, oh, we don't have it, game over. Because I don't feel that those players are those type of people that would just be like, you know what, 10 nothing, let's just pack it in today. Or in the second innings, like, there's a bunch of hits, fuck it, let's, let's just be done with it. But... It set the tone. It was a very lifeless offense. They really didn't do a lot of things. Maybe the weather in Cleveland, being in hotels in Cleveland for two days, got them in a a certain uh, mood. But whatever they need to do, they need to go out and have a great time tonight, enjoy themselves, and come out tomorrow and have a fucking game where you're backing your guy. Dylan Cease, you need more than one run. And they scored one run in both those games. That's that's. That's piss poor. Can and, we be pissed and, off? What about what, what? Why are we enjoying our nights here? I mean, you, you are now he, just tied for first place with the Cleveland Guardians, their who, can, who are spending under forty million dollars on their payroll because they need to enjoy something. Because they've been doing something in Cleveland that caused those two ball games. I know Cleveland's decent; they're not that bad, much better, and their pitching staff. Tristan McKenzie was walking everybody and their mama, right. and their efforts today were just piss poor. I know the lineup wasn't the A lineup, but still, Tristan McKenzie wasn't. Great, 
and he was walking everybody, and we got one damn run off of all those Indian pitchers. We'll go back to McKenzie damn in it. a second. Guardian pitchers. <laughs> oh, yeah, dollar you're, in the jar, Herb. Yeah, you're going to have to jar. put it in the jar, which is a very original idea, by the way. Never been seen before on any <laughs> other thing, and it's not like we've been doing this for a month. Uh, anyways. Uh, Sean's <laughs> got a feeling. Yeah, really. Goddamn. Uh, uh, I'm pretty sure that the original idea I pinched from ESPN however many years ago, too. So, Oh, well. Come on. This is like rock and roll. Nothing's original, that's Sean. That's fair. All right. Well, all right. Shout out to Chuck, Ozzy, and Frank. Is that a chalice? Um, Look at a special cup. Yeah, yeah they got a trophy that the money goes in. <laughs> that's from some golf outing or something. I don't, that looks that like Chuck what you win when you desk. win the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> <laughs> the horse is way yeah. much bigger Chuck than stole that, that from a horse. <laughs> um, the weird thing that I did see after the first game, uh, Tony La Russa blamed himself for not having the team ready to play. He said, so I take the heat for that. It's common problem when you have a day off and you just have to push. We weren't ready to play early, and it's my job to get that done. So I thought that was interesting to hear from Tony after the game. Well, listen, too. I mean, Tony, obviously, as we've uh, set, talked about ad nauseum, is a guy who cares so much about winning, is a guy who, you know, is is a, uh, a very much an integral part of the clubhouse and the culture that's going on, as, as we talked about earlier in the week. And he's a guy who's been through this before. He he knows where the buck stops, right? He's obviously going to take uh, the blame where when it's due because, listen, that was a... That was a horrible game in game one of this doubleheader. So, uh, you know, game two, it looks like the kind of game that you lose over the course of a baseball season. And listen, over the course of a baseball season, you're going to lose a game like they did in game one, but you want to minimize that because that was just hideous. Yeah, absolutely hideous performance from the White Sox in game one. Game two was a little bit better, but what was also hideous was the lineup thrown out for game two. No Tim Anderson, no Jose Abreu in that game, no Aloy Jimenez, no Luis Robert. You saw Leary Garcia batting third, and there is a tweet here. Uh, from Jeremy Frank about Leary Garcia batting third and just talking about uh, how awful Leary Garcia is as a third option. That's from at MLB Random Stats, Jeremy Frank on Twitter. Fantastic follow. He said, I think Leary Garcia may be the worst number three hitter ever. He entered today with a 660 OPS in 2,110 plate appearances and a a .043 batting average in 23 ABs in 2022. There's no other three hitter in the last 40 years to enter a game with a sub 700 career OPS in a thousand plus plate appearances and a sub 100 batting average in 20 plus uh, at bats in that season. Uh, pretty, you know, crazy stuff. But, you know, we just saw how depleted that lineup was. Adam Hazley making his uh, White Sox debut at the, in the two-hole uh, in that lineup as well. A very bizarre lineup in game two. I, I'll, I'll say this. Listen, I'm not going to try to defend it. I'm not going to try to crush it either because yeah. I'm not a lineup guy. I know people, people get up in arms about the lineup, and that's a fun thing for fans to do every day. I don't really care. My point will be this, though. I understand it. You want to know why? You know, want to know why this was the lineup? Because they're playing two games today, and you know it's April, and there was a short spring training, and they got to play six more months of baseball, and you know the 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 starters all played a full game of baseball already today, and we see how on a daily basis. Tony and every manager across baseball is cognizant of trying to get their regulars rest where they can find it, right? And you just so happen to see today that the regulars were given rest in the in the second half of that doubleheader because they already played a game. They got a day game tomorrow. If you don't agree, then that's fine. But if I, I'm if you're looking for the answer to why, that is why. 
you don't have to be happy about it, but that is why. Well, and it's somewhat of an early game for them, an 11 a.m. Central start time uh, for them. So yeah. it's, it's it's awkward, but it's just frustrating after seeing the performance that they give out in game one, and then you get a day off in game two. You get a, well, you get a break. it's not a day off. I know it's not it's, a day it's, off. It's a regular day, right, because you already played right. nine innings of baseball beforehand. You, you get two days off the game before, and yes, you are right that you have the day game tomorrow, and then you're traveling to Minnesota. So not only is it a day game after a doubleheader, but it's also a getaway day. So it is very tough here but it is just frustrating too because you look at it Herb Adam Hazley and Lear Garcia should never be batting two and three for the Chicago White Sox Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets they need at bats you're going to get more at bats within that game if you have them up at two and three I don't understand the the construction of the lineup I understand wanting to get Hazley at bats especially him coming up uh, I know Tony did this a lot with Nick Williams last year uh, with Brian Goodwin this is just something that he does for veteran players veteran-ish players or guys coming up and making their debut uh, but Leary batting third I think is completely indefensible it it makes no sense to me the only thing I can think of is he went to put all the names in a hat and just picked them out (laughs) because Josh Harrison's batting first Hazley's hitting second Lurie's hitting third in front of Yasmani Grandal yeah in front of Gavin Sheets in front of Andrew Vaughn who Andrew Vaughn who had some of the best at bats against Shane Bieber in game one like it's just malpractice to put a guy who hits that poorly that early in the lineup. I was pissed that he's hitting six in this championship lineup, which I believe the White Sox are. I don't mind him in the lineup every once in a while because he has to play, but put him in the right spot. You have a guy in Adam Hazley who's going to be sent right back to Charlotte is hitting second in the lineup in a game that you need. I don't, I don't, I'm not jiving with that and just put Josh Harrison up there. That man doesn't get on base. The man barely hits. So far, we're trying. We're trying to win games, and I understand he's going with the old school fast guy up the top of the lineup because Josh Harrison doesn't belong in anybody's top of the lineup either. So it might have been a failure. Hopefully, in the post game, he's like, "Yeah, I picked names out of the hat, guys. I had nine guys. This is who I had." Because <laughs> otherwise, that's not defensible. Having Lurie Garcia bat in third and Adam Hazley bat in second. Yeah, just an odd, odd lineup that we saw in both games, or especially the second game. Uh, and just the performances we saw against both pitchers. Bieber and McKenzie were your starters. I want to start off with uh, the White Sox versus Bieber in game one. Shane Bieber is a guy that, you know, we've seen him throw up to 94 miles per hour. His fastball is not that this year. He's averaging around 91 miles per hour. The Sox have seen him a lot. We saw that the White Sox made adjustments against Robbie Ray, and I did not see any adjustments uh, for them going up against Shane Bieber. Shane Bieber dominated today. Uh, 35 uh, called strike whiff percentage. Uh, a good percentage there is 28%. That's about league average. So 35%, that is an above average game for called strikes plus whiff percentage. So that just means he's loading up the, the zone and strikes. Guys are either taking strikes or he's just pinpoint accurate and he's getting a lot of whiffs. He got 50% whiff rate on his slider today. So the White Sox just were not able to catch up with his fastball. Uh, he had a really dominant game, even though his stuff isn't as what it used to be. And then the White Sox versus Tristan McKenzie today, uh, absolutely brutal. They did not get their first hit in game two until the fifth inning when Danny Mendick hit a double. I do want to pull up McKenzie's stats because not only uh, was he just able to limit contact and limit hits for the Sox today, uh, but he threw 78% uh, fastballs today. Very, very predictable. And this was the White Sox versus McKenzie in three ball counts. He had 18 pitches, 16 of them were fastball. On three ball counts, he threw a fastball 89% of the time. 
five fall ball, five balls. We talked about called strike, called strike and with percentage. That was up at 37.5%. Uh, the White Sox did draw two walks and three ball counts uh, and one ball in play. Uh, but you look at that. I mean, the White Sox just did absolutely nothing in predictable accounts. Josh Harrison had a bad strikeout uh, in one of those at-bats. Uh, Gavin Sheets had a 3-0 count and then popped a ball that landed in the infield. Uh, it was just absolutely brutal, and this has just been what we've seen from the offense, really, for the past couple games here, and it just continues and starts to snowball over and over again. They need a better performance coming out against Zach Plezak tomorrow. Just like Fred says, it's process over results. 2-0, we saw a couple batters late on a 2-0 fastball. Mm-hmm. Like, what's what's your thought process there? What's your thought process? And we see 89% of his three ball counts were fastballs. And I saw a couple guys just late on 3-1 fastballs. Like, what are we doing? What Are we gearing up for fastball? And if you look silly on a slider, if you look silly on a curveball, God bless. Tip the cap to Tristan McKenzie. But you know what he's offering. You know what he's not getting over the plate. His off-speed is everywhere. He's erratic. Gear up and get ready to hit, especially today where – Runs are scarce. We need to find a way to put the ball over the fence or put them in some gaps. It just seems the process of the second guys, even though they're lesser guys, doesn't mean you have to be lesser in performance. Get some hits. Right. Understand what he's trying to do to you. Understand the count. You have the advantage. Why are you late on the 3-1 count? Yeah, and I mean, too, like we saw a couple times, you know, Gavin Sheets swinging 3-0. You wanted him to take on that. I think there was a couple one where Mendick was swinging 3-0 as well. Um, it, it was not only, you know, we saw Leary and Adam Hazley draw walks, but uh, and those were the two walks that they drew uh, against McKenzie in three ball counts. But even in first pitch counts, I mean, he was 6 of 18 for first pitch strikes. 33% of his, uh, uh, you know, 0 counts uh, were, or were strikes. 66% of them were balls. So you were starting 66% of the time with an 1-0 count, and the White Sox could not take advantage of it. They could not get a hit until the fifth inning. Um, we It's just a lot of struggles. You need to see more walks. You need to see more patience at the plate. Uh, it seems like this over-aggressiveness works for Tim Anderson, but it's not working for everyone else. So. Well, and I mean, obviously, you've got a, a nice sample of games now where you can say that they're in a rut, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and I think that you can also point to the fact that they played teams with good pitching staffs, and, and you know, certainly Cleveland is one of those, but... What happened throughout the day today showed you that you, you can't have more than one facet of your of your team just fall off the cliff, and I think this is what maybe we learned. If we learned anything from the from the playoffs last year, it was if you're not going to hit, you better well pitch and you better well play defense because the the White Sox have the pitching staff to win games when they're not hitting, and they have the lineup to win games when they're not pitching. And obviously, defense is part of that as well. They are a good enough team to win when one of those facets goes away. When more than one of them goes away, you get a day like you have today. Right. And even then, game two, I mean, you only get let up two runs. You get a great performance from Jimmy Lambert for Jimmy Lambert's sake. Um, and you're still not able to get over. You I mean, again, it's it's two runs here. I mean, the White Sox should be scoring about four runs a game. And the fact that you see one run in that first game, you see two runs in this game. Uh, it has just been brutal, uh, really. And you see, you'll go back to that Mariners game where the only run they're scoring is on an infield pop-up uh, by Jake Berger. It's just been a, a really, you know, bad, bad, bad effort for the Sox offensively. So, I mean, that part... Once it comes back, the wins will probably start coming because the pitching's been fine enough. But it's just, you know, making sure that those offensive uh, plate appearances are consistent and, you know, they're process-based, not results-based. And I find that lack of offense leads to more of criticism from fans. Like, if you get crushed as a pitcher, but you guys score 10, 
and you lose 10 or you win 10 to 8, people are like, you know what? That was a good game. The team played well. But if you don't hit, it just seems worse. I mean, uh, for fans, they're just like, oh, my God, you can't hit. It's it's easy out there. And so, yes, they only got one run in each of these games. And the, the one run they got in Seattle in the, uh, in, the close, in, the Rays, in the closer there, it seems like the offense is going through some things right now. But as Vinny said, and I said the other day, they're going to get some real teams, some really good pitchers. And we've seen these pitchers today. Bieber was good. That second game, McKenzie was off. So I think they should take more advantage of what's going on. Luis Robert getting a day off at the afternoon game, perfect. The man is swinging at way too many first pitch, uh, first pitches in the count. No wonder he's not striking out because he's grounding out or popping up. Yeah, he's well, in a going through some things right now. Yeah, and Steve, the comments up on the the screen right now. Lou Bob is uh or Lou Bob La Pantera. We call him La Pantera on this podcast. He's over uh twenty uh of his last yeah, twenty. So he's over twenty because that nickname you gave him, Ugh. <laughs> La Pantera. Yes, that's that's what we call him over here. But with uh, McKenzie, it's just. I mean, he's a three-pitch pitcher. He doesn't have a changeup. He's throwing 92 miles per hour, and you understand that his fastball is coming in those 3-0 counts. Like, it just it makes no sense on how 89% of the time that guy was throwing a fastball in a hitter's count, and the White Sox were not able to take advantage of it uh, about the five or six times uh, they had a three-ball count for those hitters. So, I mean, that's the, that's the part right there that is the most infuriating is uh, there's a question about what's, going, what's wrong with the offense right now. Um, they're just not getting those results, uh, but the process is a little bit off uh, we'll get to that in a bit but the best way to support chgo is to download the points bet app do you know who knows who wants to know about this who his friend connor he doesn't know how points bet works so this oh, is right a, this is a thing right here he said no idea how points bet work but if they have dallas keichel dfa odds i'm interested they do not you can make your own you can make your own things on on points bet so you, go and make it yourself connor so if you download the points bet app and you go to the menu on the left side you can request a bet so i think that they would probably take your money uh, on a dallas <laughs> oh, keichel no, definitely take DFA, your money 100 uh, <laughs> request a bet but the best way to support chgo is to download the points bet app and use code chgo when you sign up if you do that right now you get two free bets up to two thousand dollars but that's not it if you make a fifty dollar or more first time deposit you'll receive a free chg membership which unlocks all of our web content you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the chgo locker that's two thousand dollars in free bets a free chgo membership and a free t-shirt from the chgo locker all for making more than a fifty dollar first time deposit at points bet if you have any questions you can email points bet at allchgo.com and we will help you out points bet is your home for live in-play betting and it just got even better introducing points bets newest feature the live nba same game parlay if you're looking to bet right now you can go bet on the bulls and bucks game that just tipped off i hear dave and uh matt peck screaming over there so uh it's probably some exciting action happening and you could bet on it right now using points bets newest feature the live nba same game parlay well tell us what you put together you can buy your favorite bets anytime during the game I got to be honest with you. I think Matt and Dave would be screaming if it's just tip off. I got to <laughs> oh, be honest with you. So, it, well, they probably have money on the tip off, right? And, and who's going to win the tip? So be. it's you know it's real tense over there. Uh, for the first time ever, you can build the perfect live NBA same game parlay only with points bet. Combine your favorite bets anytime during the game, and if you want more, you can boost your live same game parlays. Herb, when you're putting that together, don't forget to boost it. Online signup is available in Illinois. You can download the points bet app right now and register your account from start to finish, all from your phone. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't. Just just bet. Live your bet life with points bet. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. And I want to mention 
that our next partner has a product that I literally use every day. I started taking AG1s because of this job. I started my first ever full-time job about a month ago, and I wanted to make sure I was getting up at 9.30. I was making sure my body would start uh, the right way each and every day, and it's a great way to take in all of my important vitamins and minerals. I've been on it now for over a month, and I love it. It doesn't taste super healthy. kind of has a mild tropical taste that I look forward to each morning. You might be asking, what is this stuff? What is AG1s? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy. It helps you recover. It helps you focus, and it helps your aging process. All of the important things. You know who I think I did this? Jay Wright. Jay Wright looks great for 60. His aging process looks fantastic. He's probably doing some AG1s here. And that's probably because AG1s, Athletic Greens, has over 7,000 five-star reviews. And it's lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. Right now is the time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop of water. It's just one scoop. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day, about 8 to 12 ounces. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash C-H-G-O-S-O-X. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash C-H-G-O-S-O-X to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Again, athleticgreens.com slash C-H-G-O socks. Did you put one together? I mean, earlier today, I bet against oh. all the Chicago teams. There you go. <laughs> Every game. How'd that go? It's going well. <laughs> White Sox have lost two. The Cubs are down eight to two. Bulls and Hawks play later on tonight. There you go. So that, that was Herb's move. And I, I got, boosted it, too. Make sure you're boosting it. Make sure you're watching live, Get one a day. parlaying live, and boosting live with points bet. Live your bet life with points bet. If Chicago's going to lose. I'm going to win. Yes, absolutely. And, <laughs> I'm not uh, going to be depressed though, Con- my teams lose. Connor's been a real star uh, in, in the chat today. Uh, he's got one more. He says, Dallas Keuchel seems to be a very decent person, so I want to establish that I don't want him to lose his job. And none of us do. I don't want Dallas Keuchel uh, to re- lo- lose his job. the way you were talking this <laughs> well, offseason, I'm not sure. When you, when you said that he had an injury, his back, he was recovering from his back, Like I, I do want him to have a fine year. And if he did have a bad year last year, if it was because of injury, I can hear that. That's a that's a fine excuse. The man wasn't healthy, uh, but it's just it's brutal when you know he's letting up very very hard contact consistently. Which, to his credit, he hasn't done consistently so far this year. That Mariners performance was very good. Got a lot of swing and misses. His changeup has been good this year, uh, but it just hasn't been uh, you know the results each and every time. I, I, don't, I don't think you could put this loss fully on him today. I mean, think about a guy like Dallas Keuchel who pitches to contact and he sees his guys behind him make errors. He's like, okay, uh, maybe I got to strike people out because these guys are booting balls all day long. I mean, the one Jake Berger threw to Jose, I didn't think it was too much of an error. Of course, it bounced out of the glove and it did a short hop, but you got to feel a certain type of way if you are a ground ball pitcher and then your people are not picking the ball up for you yet again. So... Maybe he was a little off on that one. I'm sure when he left the mound after the second inning, he was like, these MFers, I'm going to murder them. I wonder if Connor got his but, uh, his uh, Mountain Dew. Yeah, well, uh, Baja, so, Baja Blast. So Daryl asked Keuchel uh, about the, the defensive support. He said, asked about the atrocious defensive support. Keuchel said, just when you've seen it all, you really haven't. And he left Ooh. it at that. So uh, I don't yeah. think he was really happy with the defensive performance. I mean, how can you be? Right. It's not like they're not trying, but 
You still get pissed? Mm-hmm. Pick up the ball. You guys are professionals. And I know it's Timmy. It's my guy. Three errors in one game is... One inning, Ooh. right? No, two, two in, one innings. inning, and okay. then one later in the game. It's just like... And then he made a sensational play deep in the hole to get a fast... I think Jimenez out, so... That's the dichotomy. You see what Tim Anderson brought to the table. But, yeah, I have no problem with Dallas Keuchel with that quote right there. That's the nicest you could put how they played today. Yeah. I'll say this, though. And I know I've been the the, at least branded as the Dallas defender here. (laughs) Uh, You can can only blame so much on your teammates when you give up seven earned runs. You know what I mean? Like, right. yeah. like you know, I, listen, that was ugly, ugly defense in the first two innings today. The first inning, he would have been out of it without giving up a run if it wasn't for the error. And I've, and you have no idea how the second inning plays out if they if they catch the ball and field it cleanly. But here's the thing. You have to keep playing. You have to keep pitching. He did keep pitching, and Cleveland scored 10 runs. Yes, right. they did. So I'm just I and seven of those were earned. Seven right. of those were earned runs. And it's not like, you know, you look at after the home run, he gives up a single, he gives up a single, he gives up a single, he gives up a fielder's choice, and then he gives up a single. So I mean, like after the grand slam, it's not like he came back and started, you know, striking out guys or getting outs once the bases were cleared. Uh, exactly to your point. He gave up seven earned runs and still you know, the ball the game snowballed uh, even after uh, he let up those grand slams. Team team effort goes both ways. You right. know what I mean? Team effort goes both ways. You can you you can I can I can tell you confidently that Dallas Keuchel would have had a much better day if the defense would have helped him out, and I can tell you confidently that the White Sox might have had a much easier time in that game if Dallas Keuchel had had gotten some outs. Yeah, and it really yeah. felt like those bats just went silent after that bad second inning, and it really felt like you know the White Sox just weren't giving it their all in that second game just with with the the pitching matchup. Uh, It was really frustrating, and someone asked, what is wrong with the offense? Do you guys have any big things that stick out to you that is wrong with the offense? I think just looking at the way that they're approaching uh, this entire entire offensive approach, uh, it feels like they're not being really condescendent or at least aware of what walks can do to this team. A lot of big moments were always sparked with Grandal walking. Uh, it just feels like this White Sox team isn't really working counts. It feels like opposing starting pitchers get out of uh, innings fairly easily and fairly quickly. This is over-aggression, and when balls are put into play, you know, that's always good because, you know, you never know what can happen, and, you know, maybe you'll get nine runs in an inning because, you know, some errors happen or a grand slam from Jose Ramirez happens. Uh, but, the White Sox right now, it's a lot of bad ball luck, and it's a lot of, I think, over-aggression that pitchers are playing into. They're making sure that they know that the White Sox are going to be swinging a lot on first uh, uh, first pitch strikes. So the fact that if they're making it to where it's outside, they're, they're, they're limiting power. If it's up and in, they're limiting power. I think that right now, uh, pitchers are just pitching to the Sox where they're negating power, and then their aggression is then leading to poor results in, in the outfield and, this and, is the and just cl- in the field. It's the classic, hey, the pitchers have made adjustment to the what the White Sox do. They see that Tim's at the top of the lineup. He's going to swing most of the first pitches. Same thing with Luis Robert. So the first two guys, throw the ball close to the zone, but don't throw them too enticing. These are what these guys are going to be. They're not changing. Tim's not changing. Luis is not changing. So it's important for the White Sox to know what pitchers are trying to do to them, what they have been doing to them, and adjust to that. So either you're going to have Tim and Luis or one of them move from the first two spots, or you're going to keep on doing this same thing. And pitchers, you could just have to adjust to what the pitchers are throwing to you. I would love to see Luis 
be a little bit more patient because all he's doing is just grounding the ball into the dirt. And he's fast, but it's not setting the offense up properly. I've always wanted Yasmani hit higher in the lineup because he gets on base. And, of course, we're missing one of our biggest on-base guys, the 38% of the time guy in Yohan Moncada, which could be leading up to some guys getting on base a little bit more and driving him in. So I think the lineup is flawed. I'm a lineup guy. But I also think that if you're going to do this, understand what other teams are trying to do to you and adjust to that. Okay, Tim, first ball, fastball. Either you're hitting it out of the ballpark or you're taking it and allowing your teammates to see a couple more pitches. So this pitcher that you're talking about doesn't feel like he's just coasting through the inning and can get out with a a slider here, a slider there, because they're going to flail at it. They're not striking out a lot, but they're not making a lot of hard contact as of late. And with you talking about Moncada last year, he was one of only 14 players to have over 80 walks last year. That's a, a huge chunk of where the White Sox walk rate came. It was really him and Grandall that drove up that walk rate. Uh, so, I mean, that is a big absence, and they're still not going to have him until post-May, possibly. Guys, right now, as a team, 265 OBP. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. is It's, in small sample size. They're, it's they're, a small uh-huh. sample size, but it's not what we want to see. So I bet they have a very low average, if not the lowest average right now in the MLB. And that's just because, again, like all of their plate appearances, all of their at-bats right now. Oh, oh the Diamondbacks have the worst because they're, they're a bad team. 212 uh, OB, uh, average for 212 the 212 average, pretty rough right there. 23rd uh, in the majors. And not hitting for power either with a... 347 slugging. So, well, compared to compared to those other teams, how, how, how just uh, 347, 348, 309, 284, 360. Yeah, so I mean, compared to the other teams right there, they're they're not hitting for as much power. Like I said before, their process in the first couple games, you saw just a lot of hard hit balls that were hit at people. So Babbitt was uh, getting unlucky. Mm-hmm. But these last couple games, it's just been poor at bats after poor at bats. And I love that Luis got a day off. Maybe he can see what, you know, once you sit down, you can say, okay, I'm calm, I'm relaxed. I could see what pitchers are trying to do to that guy who's uh, batting. Maybe Jose's in his ear. See, this is what you need to do. Maybe get Frank Menachito, fuck the home run in his ear to say, be a little bit more patient. Let the ball come to you. Isn't it weird now that, like, the guy that what most White Sox fans are clamoring for is Zach Collins because he's hitting home runs and drawing walks up there in Toronto? I love the trade still. Reese McGuire, as solid as they come. But I just think they're they're back of the baseball card or the baseball reference page will eventually show up. No, it will. They're just going through a tough period and tough pitchers that are going against. So Shane Bieber is really tough. We talked about Brash last week. And the Seattle Mariners and the Tampa Bay Rays always throw up some really good starters and relievers. So I'm not too worried about these guys. If they continue on their process, eventually – They'll break through, and other teams will be scared to face the White Sox, not like they are right now. You should be afraid to – like, the Cleveland Guardians should be afraid to face the White Sox right now. It's the White Sox should, have not him. had any issue with Tristan McKenzie. They have not had any issue with him in his career so far. Last year, I think he had three starts against the White Sox, and he allowed four run runs in each and every one of those games. He did have a game where he had 10 strikeouts against the White Sox, but he still gave up five earned, I think, in that game. And how many of those players played in this game against yeah, him well, that's a That's a great point. I think Yasmani Grandal is probably the only one that didn't. But still, I mean, it's still the same scouting report. It's still the same guy that, hey, this guy throws 75% Listen, fastballs. I, I think I, – I, my opinion on this is it's – it's a it's a tug of war, right? It's you're going back and forth, and, and Herb, like you said, those numbers are probably going to even out in the end. I think right now, Herb, you mentioned they may the pitchers are adjusting to him, right? 
well, the batters can the batters now get their turn. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? The hitters get their turn to adjust as well. Uh, I think one thing to keep in mind. You can't with every with it's very individual with every one of these guys in this lineup. You can't point to every single one of them and go, "You need to walk more. You need to change everything that you're doing." Because some of these guys, it's not how they find have found success in the major leagues. There are guys who have that aren't. Maybe you want to see a little bit more. Uh, you know, from Yasmani Grandal, it's a small sample size. I'm sure he'll get there eventually. Maybe you want to see a little bit more from Jose Abreu, who's shown he can walk in the past. So, uh, and, and obviously Moncada's out right now. There are other guys on that on that team that, you know, you don't want to see them necessarily. Obviously, you want to see them walk more if you're a White Sox fan, but you don't want to see them change their whole thing because then they're getting away from what has made them successful in the past and will make them successful going forward. So, listen, it's a few games. It hasn't been good. It's been ugly, no doubt about it. But they play they play a six-month season for a reason, and uh, you're going to see this change, uh, I'm I'm quite confident. It'd be interesting to see AJ Pollock uh, jump in, yep. but I think there's two players you can look in, look at right now. I think Grandal is definitely an interesting guy. I think I would love to see his walk rate uh, jump up. It's at like 7.4 right now, and we've known that's usually a double-digit number. Abreu has been a guy that I've really liked his number so far. He's got four walks to 11 Ks, which is around Jose level, but something that he's been doing is just absolutely killing the ball. He has one of the hardest uh, exit velocities, one of the hardest average exit velocities right now in the major leagues. Abreu seeing the ball well, and for April, I like this. It feels like he's selling out for power. I'm fine with the approach that Abreu has, and I think that you know him, T.A., and Robert, those approaches will stay the same. I would like to see a better approach from Yasmani Grandal. I would like to see a better approach from Andrew Vaughn. It feels like he's very swing-happy. I'm not sure if he's driven. Uh, take, I mean, he's got a couple walks so far. I love what he did like he today for Shane Bieber, though. Mm-hmm. He was seeing him perfectly. Yeah, he had a lot I don't of like the base running, balls. but, you know, whatever. <laughs> he saw Shane Bieber nicely. I was like, all right. He can hit right-handers and, and that, top of the league right-handers too. I didn't love keep the, him in the lineup, Sean. <laughs> I'm fine. I, I'm not against keeping him in the lineup. Uh, but fielding was a little bit iffy, especially in game two for Oof. Vaughn in left field. Uh, there was the play that we mentioned with Harrison uh, coming uh, back, going going out in the outfield. Vaughn coming in, sliding uh, underneath Harrison. Harrison hurting his right shoulder on the play. Uh, then there was another one. It was a, a double smoked off the top of the wall, about 15 feet above Andrew Vaughn, and it looks like he tries to scale the wall to try. To go and rob it, uh, it was it was just an odd play, and then there was the first one too. Stephen Kwan hit, yeah, and it was a, a laser a weird that, like behind the back try to catch it situation. It it it, it, it might have been okay. It might there, yeah. We're looking a at good all the picture stuff. of it right there, but there it it might not been like a terrible route, but it just didn't look very good aesthetically. Yeah. And it's weird. I think I brought up as we were watching the game. It's like, man, I don't remember seeing this many plays from him all last season let alone in one right. game like this. Um, and again, it, it, these might not have been horrendous mistakes out there. They just might have uh, not been good good looking to the eye. But uh, like I said, something that I don't remember seeing too much of from him last season. And with Vaughn, I would like to see not only the defense get a little bit better, but I don't really care too much about that as long as he's hitting. That's what's most important. That's why he's wearing 25 for Jim Tomey's number. I don't Philly's remember. great. Yeah, Philly's great. Uh, also, defensive legend is what I've heard. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's not really all about fielding for Andrew Vaughn. If he's able to f- field a fine first base, that's, you know, that's what he was drafted for. Uh, but I would like to see him have a little bit more of a, of a patient approach up at the plate. But Harrison, Josh Harrison is the, there it the is. other guy. Look at our uh, guy, Steven. Yeah. Did that all in one motion. This is probably the Quan <laughs> double that went over his head. You see how far it's behind him. It's facing the other way. It's a it left-handed hitter 
hitting the ball to left field, which the ball's going to go closer to the line, like it's going to tail towards mm-hmm. the fielder, and Andrew Vaughn, not being a natural left fielder, took a circuitous route. Like, he probably took a straight line instead of a, a line where it's a more of a left fielder, like Eloy right. Jimenez, which... God, he started going Jimenez towards the left fielder. He can, he probably would have caught that. Maybe he started going towards the gap. He should have started going towards the wall. That's yes. that, that was pretty much the read that he should have made there. And it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, I, I, I every ball that goes off a bat, especially watching it on TV, I'm like, Oh, Hey, uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting up at fly ball. So I, I, I can't bash him for being a, a bad outfielder. Slice. Especially for Thank being, you, Steve. Uh, yes. Uh, for, for You're my man's slicing it down the line uh, for Vaughn. I mean, it's, it's gotta be a tough adjustment. So I can't, I can't hammer him too hard, but it's just like, why is he out there? Like, that's the biggest question. Why is he out? Who else there? is going to put out there? Lloyd's not playing today. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Adam Hazley's already in there. The Adam Hazley's already in there. The Adam Engel's already in there. The, the bat's got to be in the lineup, so you got to put him out there somehow. I yeah. mean, you can DH him, but also you had other people who were DHing today. Yeah, Grandall ended up uh, DHing in, in game two. Uh, but the other guy that I wanted to mention was Josh Harrison. Something that we saw uh, consistently before he came to the White Sox was pitches per plate appearances. It was usually around four, but it just feels like a lot of his plate appearances have been way too aggressive. Have been ending very early in the count. That's a guy that I would like to see become more patient too so there there is guys that uh there are guys on this lineup right now that should become more patient and need to start taking more pitches and need to start working counts a little bit more uh, uh anderson robert abreu i think that they're all fine but everyone else in that lineup and lower needs to start working counts a little bit more and i think the white Sox offense will probably start to see uh, those adjustments come i don't know if you can results. look it up in the interim how many pitches have the White Sox seen per at bat? Like, I, it's got to be one of the lowest yeah. in, in the league because you have Tim, who's seen very few. Same thing with Luis Robert. Yo, uh, Yasmani's not the regular Yasmani. You don't have Yoan in the lineup. Aloy is a very hitter-friendly hitter or, or hitter-happy initially. So they must not be seeing a lot of pitches. And I think that leads to runs. Like, you see a pitcher, the your teammates see what he's featuring – it gets a little bit more, you know, tiresome if he's throwing seventy pitches into the fifth inning, and then you uh, you go to work on him second, third time around in the batting order because you know what he's featuring and you know he, if you can hit or not hit that ball. I don't know if these numbers are up to date with the two double headers that just happened, but coming into today, league average was seeing three point nine two pitches per game. The White Sox are bottom. Uh, Bottom 10, uh, they're at 3.78. Last year, uh, league average was 3.91. The Sox were, uh, I think, top 10 or close to top 10 at 3.93. So uh, the Sox were above league average at pitches per plate appearance uh, last year, and now they are bottom 10. So that was one thing. Just showing the aggressiveness, too. They are attacking early. They're attacking quick. um, And I think that it's just mostly pitchers are just trying to negate that power. They know that the ball is going to be in play, so as long as they're putting it away from those power zones of the Sox, uh, that's how you know the White Sox have just, you know, the, the batting average is so low, the slugging is so low right now. Vinny, do you think this is a thing on the team, like a team-wide thing, like, hey, guys, be a little bit more aggressive in the zone. Last year we were this, that, and the other. Or is this just individuals who are a lot of swing-happy guys? I think it's probably a mixture of both a little bit. I mean, I don't think Frank Manichino's 
approach really changes. And I think he's a guy that every time we've had the chance to talk with him has, has really said the same thing. You know what I mean? That the, the kind of things that you're not surprised to hear from a hitting coach, right? You're supposed you know? to hit 300. Right. Wait for your pitch, you know, uh, hit a, hit a line drive, do your thing. You know like what I mean? Frank like right it's, there. it's not, yeah, the, uh, I, I will, I'm not going to do an impression of Frank Manichino. That would, that would end poorly for me. But uh, I mean, uh, you know, I think as baseball fans and people who watch the game and have watched the game for a long time, you're not surprised to hear the kind of stuff that you hear from Frank Manichino. It's, are the guys going to listen? Because they have had so much success throughout their entire lives doing things the way they do things, relying on that talent. And, you know, if, if it, it, I can imagine how it would be hard to kind of go away from that, even if you know that it's the right thing to do, you know, to kind of lean back and trust what you've always been able to do. Um, and at the same time, like you mentioned, I think there are individuals on this team who that is the key to their success is, is hitting that way and approaching the, the plate that way. Um, I think they're going to figure this out, guys. I, I don't think this is something that is going to be a season-long uh, season concern. Um, but obviously, you need to refocus. You need to recenter. And, you know, maybe getting to face some of that Minnesota Twins pitching this weekend right. could be what the doctor ordered. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, and you, no expert says it right here. The guys that we have with should be doing it. Scoring three runs in 27 innings is not it. I mean, hopefully this is just the anomaly. But it's, it's you know, outside of that Tigers game where they score 10 runs, uh, the Sox really, I don't think, have gone over six runs uh, in a game. I think that they've just done, gone over six once, and it was the, the Tigers game uh, where they scored 10. So that's, that's the one thing, too. Uh, they're being more aggressive. They're taking less pitches. Uh, but one big thing, too, is they're, they've gone down on their ground ball rate. That's gone down 6%. It was at 46% last year. It's at 40% this year. Their fly ball rate is up. Uh, their line drives went down from 21% to 17%, but their fly ball rate went from, uh, I think it was, let me see, 32% up to 40%, so an 8% in fly ball rate. So the White Sox are hitting the ball in the air. That's what we want to see. They're hitting the ball hard. It just needs to start turning into results, or they need to start getting more of their pitch, like you know Frank Minichino would say, uh, make sure that it's not the pitcher's pitch that wants you to hit on the, uh, on the outer third make sure it's that one down the middle or inside that you can take and drive and before we move on i see fred's comment about joe McEwing. at the time we were like the same thing maybe he got a little more aggressive right there he was like hey we're not hitting a lot i need to send adam ingles a pretty fast runner it's got to be a bang bang throw by stephen kwan and the catcher's got to catch the ball to get him out so i don't too much blame joe McEwing, but also i'm like second and third Right there is not a bad thing. I think we had uh, Tristan McKenzie on the ropes, mm -hmm. and to, well, to, that, the that, sin was a little questionable to me, but I'm not going to rake him over the coals too tough. And I don't know if we had him on the ropes because that was the first hit the White Sox had against McKenzie was that double down the line. Uh, you had McGuire on second after a walk. You had uh, Engel on first after a walk, and a rip down the line. Uh, Mendick, it gets past the third baseman, and they send Engel. It was a great throw, and it was a great defensive play. I think if it's just a little bit off, Engel might be safe, and this oh, might be a tie. The catcher, great tag by yeah, the catcher, to, catcher to come across the body on that. I mean, that was a, a heck of a play uh, on defense. You got to give some credit uh, credit where credits due. Right. He is the keeper of the Quan, and two. I mean, like that's As that was the, say, that right? was the, the ambassador. That oh, was the ambassador of the Quan. <laughs> yes, uh, because Quan's more important than money is what I I, I, I googled the quote. Oh, you googled yes. it. Quan's you can just watch the movie money. too. I watched the movie, but I don't remember the the quote. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> uh, there was one, oh, but that, that's the thing too, with the McEwing thing, like that was the White Sox only shot to score a second run. Like if they, if he doesn't send them there, the White Sox didn't have another best, 
opportunity to score a second run. And they should have. Yeah, and they should have. And and like that was I mean, know, they should have at any other point in the game. Absolutely. Yes. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then, you know, so McEwing in that position, like, you know, the White Sox aren't hitting, they finally get a hit, and you have Adam Ingles who's fast and it's it's that close of a play. I don't mind the send because the, the team isn't hitting at this current moment. And that was their best opportunity to tie that game up right there is sending Ingle. So, I mean, you just need to start hitting more and you won't have to start sending Adam Ingle on basically an infield single from first to third. If you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. It's time for our pick of the week and it is going to be riding Carlos Rodon over K's. Uh, it was at seven and a half today and he got to eight through five innings. So whenever Carlos Rodon Rodon is on the bump. Go to points bet and take the over K prop for Carlos Rodon. He's hit it in all three games so far, and I expect him to continue to do the same. If you use the code CHGO when you sign up at points bet and make a $50 or more first time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. If you have any questions, you can email points bet at all CHGO, and we will help you out. And in case you missed it, online signup is available in Illinois. You could sign up the, with the points bet app right now. You could register for from your account, you could register your account from start to finish all from your phone, and you'll be signing up with the fastest sports book easier than ever, so you could start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with points bet and betting the Carlos Rodon K-Prop over, and you will be winning money. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700, and we want to mention at CHGO Sports, as you can see on the bottom of your screen right now, CHGO, you are getting live pregame, postgame, and live podcasts each and every day. We go Sunday through Thursday, the CHGO White Sox podcast. We will have a pregame tomorrow starting at 1130. We will have a postgame for you after the final out is made. Dylan Cease versus Zach Plezak is the matchup with you. Please come and join us for uh, breakfast with the boys or uh, uh, brunch with the boys tomorrow. We'll have a uh, Cleveland and the Sox. Hopefully a good old Sox. boys brunch. Yeah, a good will. old boys brunch. You know, just a couple boys watching baseball for brunch. As dudes do. As dudes do. So uh, CHGO is what you're watching right now. We'll be back at 1130 tomorrow. We hope you join us for our pre free pregame show uh, at 1130. And if you want to become a member, go to allchgo.com. You can read Vinny Duber's fantastic work over there. Uh, we have some premium written content over there. And when you become a member at allchgo.com, you get access to our members-only Discord, the CHGO Lounge, and you get a free shirt of your choice. Uh, so make sure that you go to allchgo.com and sign up to become a member. All right, tomorrow, Dylan Sees for a sack, please, Zach. I want to talk about this just because we brought it up a couple times. The White Sox using their bullpen a lot today um, in both games of the doubleheader. Uh, you know, Jimmy Lambert gave them a valiant effort, but not enough. Dallas Keuchel wasn't able to get out of the second inning, so they used their bullpen a ton today. A lot of pressure on Dylan Cease to give them innings tomorrow. What does this mean for Cease? Because so far, so good on the year. Uh, two great starts for him, looking to make it a third, but more pressure, making sure that he goes six or seven innings tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. You guys could talk about him, and a lot of other people talk about him as a potential Cy Young candidate, right? A guy who's who's taken the next step to be one of the better pitchers in Major League Baseball. Well, if you're going to be that, you got to be the stopper. And, and, and that's what uh, I think the White Sox really need from Dylan Cease tomorrow. I think Tanner Banks bailed them out huge today. Mercy. The bullpen uh, issues were not as grim as they looked when Dallas couldn't even get an out in the second inning there. Um, I, I mean, I, I was expecting it to, you know, be kind of that nightmare scenario where they were going to be 
burning through the bullpen because you didn't know what you were going to get out of Jimmy Lambert. Uh, and, and he doesn't even make it out of the fourth, you know. So it's just a lot of innings to cover. Tanner Banks saved them pretty good today. They didn't have to use many of the guys at the back end. But uh, you got to, uh, if you're Dylan Cease, you've got to deliver uh, uh, some length tomorrow and, and really some success too. You got to, because, I mean, to go, to win your first three series of the year, if they get kind of just swept out of Cleveland, um, mm-hmm. that's not a good way to start a road trip, oh. obviously. And uh, so, yeah, he's got to play stopper tomorrow. Uh, I think from what he's shown this year so far, he can. So we'll see. If you thought tonight was bad, if you thought tonight was a, a little tense of a post game from uh, Herb and I, just imagine if they get swept by the Guardians tomorrow, Herb. I, I don't worry about Dylan Cease. I've never met know. the guy, but he seems <laughs> like a, the coolest customer of all time. He doesn't worry about too much. He seems smooth. Like him growing a mustache tells me all I need to know about his confidence. <laughs> He's like, F all you guys. I look good in this. Fuck you, Lucas, for talking about my mustache. You wish you would look this good. And his stuff is the best on the team, bar none. I don't think he looks at that Cleveland lineup with our featuring today and sees anything. Even he's going to go against my recommendation to walk Jose Ramirez and say, hey, Jose, here's a 97-mile-per-hour fastball. Do your worst. I'm not worried about him at all. I'm worried about the bats. If the bats show up, that's a W tomorrow, 100% a W, because Dylan Cease is going to shove. Yeah, if the bats show up, I mean, fantastic. That's all we're hoping for tomorrow is the bats to show up. If the Sox score 10 runs and they lose 11 to 10, I can't be mad because the pitching has shown up every single game so far. Last year, Cease against the, uh, I guess, the Cleveland team. We'll just call the them. Indians back then. Yeah, whatever. Uh, three and one-third, uh, six earned runs in his first start in June 1st, but then came back uh, in September 24th, five and one-third, four hits, no earned runs allowed, and nine strikeouts. That's what the Sox will be looking for tomorrow. And Jose Ramirez, the guy that you brought up, uh, Dylan Cease versus Jose Ramirez. Nine at-bats for Ramirez, two hits, one double, one K, no walks, a slash line of 222, 222, and 333 for an OPS of 556. So Cease has had success against J-Ram Sean in just the past. unfazed by yes, apparently this, the greatest know, Bulls game of all time happening be. outside. They have to be up by 20 or something. Uh, <laughs> I bet if, you if they're losing by happening. five or something Right, like that. but it's, it's probably, you know, a 10-point game right now and the Bucks are up. I want the people who are, like, listening tomorrow. It's 4 nothing. Oh my God! It's it is Gus, is Gus Johnson nothing. over there. It's six, six nothing. nothing. It's six nothing. It's an ass whooping. <laughs> yes, yes. Mercy. Hawks back in the nine booth. nothing. What the? Oh, it's going man. on. Oh, Bulls out go. here messing up my money. Go ahead, mess it up, Bulls. <laughs> Win o- this game. Hell it's yeah! Only two minutes into the uh, the first forty eight. So I we'll want see the, what the, happens. The guy or girl listening on Thursday is like, man, the Bulls uh, beat by twenty. What the hell are they talking about? <laughs> Make sure you tune in to the CHGO Bulls game if you're looking for something and to do tonight. Also, this. Twins or Indians fan or Guardians fan in the oh, damn cup. Oh, Another one. Damn it. Jar. Another Guardians fan. I think like a $7 now. <laughs> I want you to show up tomorrow when the White Sox shove and they win this game. Because those Detroit guys were talking all the smack in the world. Didn't see them. It was, it was Cricket City that day on Sunday. Show up tomorrow. Yeah. Talk that sm- smack tomorrow. Keeg Thunder Gaming number one is saying, Trash, please act no hitter. Cease gonna get shelled, but it's it's get as G I T. He's, he's gonna get shelled. Uh, I mean, let's, Cleveland, but we're yeah. not gaming too. Right, Cleveland. Game, which is, gaming could use a, a spell check there, but yeah. I was okay. wondering, but I honestly didn't know. No. I, I I'm not gonna bash people uh, for bad spelling. I will because uh, I oh well, they're adults. I'm a horrible speller myself, but uh, yeah, gaming did look. Wrong. I don't know how you guys are horrible spellers. You had the internet your whole life. Yeah, and it 
does it automatically don't, for me. Don't you look at it and I'm like, also oh, horrible right. at math because I don't, I've had a calculator my whole life. It's, it's, it's a great tool that doesn't actually make me work my brain. Uh, so, I mean, you know, thank you, Internet. Uh, let's wrap this up real quick because we've been doing this. We've been trying to do uh, this for a pregame show, but we uh, have not had a pregame show for the three games against the Guardians. Uh, for so three. We're going to continue with the best album countdown. Uh, Vinny, why don't you recap your number four, number three, and then give us your number two? I'm leading off. Okay. So, uh, number four, I had uh, my guy, Bruce Springsteen, hey. on, on the shirt today with Born to Run from 1975. Uh, number three, yesterday we had uh, Here's Little Richard by Little Richard, 1957. Uh, today we're going to go back to the 70s, 1979's London Calling by The Clash. Uh, it was funny, we talked We talked on uh whatever the first day of this week was, Monday. Monday, about, yeah, That's uh, usually the first day. It's usually week. the first day of every week. Uh, but yeah, Monday about, uh, you know, you were complimenting, we picked some short albums, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we were like, oh, the perfection in the in the seven songs, the eight songs. Give me the double album, London Calling, every song's perfect. Let's go. What's, I your, mean, what's your favorite one? Oh, you're going to make me pick? Clamp Down. I'm going to go with Clamp okay. Down. But man, Death or Glory is so good. Revolution Rock is tremendous. Uh, I love Rudy Can't Fail. Mm. Uh, Wrong Umboyo. Jimmy Jazz. Oh, I so, could go all day long with this. I would go title track. I would go Spanish Bombs. Spanish Bombs is great. Lost in the Supermarket oh, is fantastic. Song. I used to work song. at Jewel, and they would play Lost would in the really? Supermarket. Would they really? Wow. Yeah. Did it they get fantastic. it? Did they get the joke, or was it just like on I, the thing? I think it was just random. I don't wow, think I think I was amazing. the only Clash fan music? in Jewels. Or there's actually the Clash playing. Oh, no, it's actually Clash. Okay. Oh, it was, no, it's like the, it was, they had licensed music, thankfully. Okay. Also... Uh, in a future episode, we need to get into your history at the Jewels, by I, the way. I have blacked it all out, thankfully, but it's a three-year-long <laughs> uh, history wow. of uh, me at all the right. Jewels. Uh, but clamp down, like you said. My favorite, though, Train in Vain. Train in Vain's phenomenal, Train obviously. in Vain's fantastic. And that's the thing. Every single song on I've the album is songs. tremendous. Oh, the, the Train in the Vein and the title track. The train oh, we, in need the to vein. Get, we need to get Herb on the Clash I, band. And right? I'm not an anti-Clash guy. I, I love Rock the Casbah. Hey, hey, it's the only band that matters. Yeah, it is the only ever? band that matters. Um, <laughs> ever? A, yes, ever. Okay. Um, at NCAA, NCAA Football 2006 introduced me to the Clash. They had Train in Vain on the soundtrack, so I am a Clash fan because of them. I almost put Doolittle uh, by the Pixies, which was also uh, featured in that soundtrack wow, wow. as my number two album. I went away from it, but uh, you know those uh, that 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 game shaped my music uh, my music listening habits uh, from a very very early age. Herb, why don't you recap us on your four and three albums, and then give us your number two? Number four was Asia by Steely Dan, classic album. Course number three is Midnight Marauders by A Tribe Called Quest. My favorite. I know it's probably controversial. You're a low end theory guy who or girl listening right now. Number two, there's it's undefeated. Songs of the Key of Life by Stevie Wonder. I mean, let me go down the tracks. That's a good one. That's a good one, I mean, man. Sir Duke. That's one of my favorites. I wish knocks me off my feet. Isn't she lovelies on that song? It's a it's a double album. Like the other two albums that we've been talking about for me are really shorter. This is twenty songs, so you're gonna take some time to listen to as is on there on the track. Man, just chalk full of hits, classic Stevie Wonder. It's done perfectly. I I just love this album. It's just not a press play one because you'll be there forever. Right. <laughs> Skip around a little bit. And find your song. Yeah, Vinny was all worried about you know giving us an hour and five minutes of an album. Stevie Wonder, 
hour 45. Yeah. Two yeah. hours. Yeah. He's giving you a motion picture soundtrack. Took, <laughs> took two hours. Took two years off from, you know, making a new fresh album. And that's what you get. What's your favorite track on that one? Um, I'm a Sir Duke guy, but uh, as is also solid, but as is for fucking ever. It's like eight <laughs> minutes long. It's forever. I got to turn you on to a, a Sefion Stevens song. It's, it's uh, 26 minutes long. It's uh, it's very, very, Just very Just jam banding all day this long. This is like Inagata DeVita up yeah. in there. Oh, it's worse. Um, So uh, I also want to uh, turn you on to something. It's a, a Vox video. Uh, Jacob Collier destruct, uh, de- deconstructs uh, Sir Duke. Uh, so it kind of talks about the Stevie Wonder, uh, you know, genius on that on that song alone. So uh, fantastic album uh, choice for your number that. two. Yeah. I think I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, he, j- he breaks it down. Uh, Vox does a great job with all their earworm stuff. So make sure you check that out. Uh, final album we're going to talk about here: uh, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Uh, Chicago's Will- very own. Chicago's very own. You see the Marina Towers right there. The 2002 album. From Wilco. This one's under an hour, so this one I think we can define <laughs> as easy listening. Uh, and, the, of course, the first track is uh, seven minutes long, so uh, they're starting you off real long, and then they get into the quick ones. But uh, I'm Trying to Break Your Heart, Camera with a K, Radio Cure, War on War, Jesus, etc., Ashes of American Flags, Heavy Metal Drummer, that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven right there, probably some of the best seven songs that you'll hear on, on any opening uh, to open up an album right there. Uh, they really find their, their niche uh, but I mean, they're a great band. Like you mentioned, that's your fourth favorite Wilco uh, album that yes. uh, from their. I'm a big, big early Wilco. The first two albums are phenomenal. Obviously, you got uh, AM and Being There. Those ones are really good. A little, a little more country, a little mm-hmm. more rock on those ones. But uh, I'm a longtime heavy metal drummer fan. That's a oh. that's a good song. That's uh, the one Wilco song my girlfriend knows. It's heavy metal. That's drummer. the only one I knew for the longest time too. When she I was loves a kid. it. Yeah. Man. So uh, shout out to Jeff Tweedy, shout out to the boys, shout out to the Marina Towers, and uh, have brunch with the boys tomorrow. The CHGO White Sox pregame Can show I ask Steven? starts at eleven thirty. Which one did you like the best out of our three? I like that you let it off. I feel like Vinny just has that. I mean, it's Vinny. Yeah. It's the only band that matters, baby. The Clash. <laughs> Vinny did try, and Vinny did set this whole thing up that he's trying to give you the five or four records that you need oh, to yeah. listen. These to. are the these are my picks for the four greatest albums of all time. These are not necessarily not my favorite. favorites, yeah. but I mean, you'd probably see some crossover a little bit, this especially is, London Calling, Mercy, <laughs> Mercy. Uh, these are Herb's picks for his favorite albums, yes. and uh, these are my these are these are my picks. I guess I don't know what my Tusk. Are. These are just Tusk. four albums that, that come to mind. That for Tusk. Tusk. Four <laughs> Even even my fiance Courtney was a big time Fleetwood Mac person. Like, mm, I get it, I get it, guys. You know what? You know, none I think of your favorite all songs. I think you're all terrible. So you're in good company. Well, thank you, Herb. Everyone else wow. thought that too when wow. that uh, that, I that album that was absolutely bashed when it came. Herb out, just so. crushing Fleetwood Mac. I, I mean, I mean, it's kind of like my childhood when I didn't like Madonna or Prince because my older sisters both like those two groups. And I didn't get into Tribe because my oldest sister, my middle sister, who was older than me, liked Tribe Called Quest. I was like, I can't like what they like. And then I was like, that kid's an idiot. And that's kind of what I do with Courtney. Like, she loves the Rolling Stones, so does her, so her mom. And so I kind of bash them a little bit. I don't know, actually not that much. Well, and I'm an only child, so I had nobody to shame me. I had nobody to uh, hold me back from uh, having Tusk as my number one <laughs> four album of all time. Uh, Thank you. Baloney. Francesa. Tusk was the Leary Garcia of Fleetwood Mac albums, and I disagree. That <laughs> album would bat him third right now. That that album right now has an expecting batting average of seven fifty. It's not that high, and, and they're catching it's every high. ball. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's it's through the first uh, what ten games, eleven games of the White Sox uh, uh, season so far. That is Tusk 
right there. It's it's you know the 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 process is fine. The results have been a little bit iffy, uh, but we'll learn to love it. Uh, I'm gonna go. More more I'm gonna go ahead it. and say I would be shocked if you had to pay more than seven fifty for that album in any record store today. Well, maybe if it's a, a fresh one, it's maybe it'll be ten bucks. <laughs> you know. They're giving it away <laughs> with every purchase. They still have sealed versions of Tusk <laughs> on sale at Reckless Records. And it was the. The most spent on album ever? Yeah, most expensive album. I think it was the first album ever uh, that took a million dollars to record. It's that marching band. It was the marching band. They had to to fit that whole marching band into the studio. No clue. Uh, (laughs) But the production costs were estimated to be over $1 million, equivalent to $3.73 million in 2022, making it the most expensive rock album recorded to that date so uh, that's going to do it for uh, talking uh, music with the boys uh, have brunch with the boys tomorrow at 11 30 literally never heard of any of these six <laughs> singles toss sarah not that funny think about me sisters of the moon or angel okay think about me is great uh, yeah. Not that funny is not that funny Dude, but this it's is a, a it's daily a segment song. now yeah well you guys are turning Crush it into tusk it. i Listen to Tusk. Have you listened to Tusk yet? I'm going to listen to on the way home. Listen to I'm going to try to listen to need to, You're going to need home. to drive around for a long like, time. Like, like <laughs> right, I told I'm you. I'm my thing right now. Like Apple I told Music. You. Listen to Tusk first, Terrible the song, album. and then oh, start the up. album. So okay. listen to the, 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 the album, it's the song album. What is it called? Title track? Title track. The title track. Listen to the title song track album. first, and then and then start at 1 through, uh, I think, 19. Uh, oh. So that's going to do it for the CHGO White Sox post-game show. Thank you for watching. Make sure to tune in at 1130 a.m. for our pregame tomorrow. We'll have a post-game to wrap up the Guardians series. We'll see if the White Sox will stay at, uh, go to 500, 6-6 six and six tomorrow, or if they'll go to 7-5 and five and stay at first place in the AL Central. For Vinny Duber, you can follow him on Twitter, at Vinny Duber. For Herb Lawrence, you can follow him at Ectorwall23. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. You should follow rumors. You can Should've. follow the show at CHGO <laughs> underscore White Sox. Thank you to Steven Nicholas for his production. And thank you to Fleetwood Mac for their 1978 album, Tusk. We'll see you tomorrow. Go Sox. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.